coming up on All Nations Church. What you mean you didn't book anywhere, Joseph? You said there'd be plenty of space. It's a big city. You need to go out and fix this now. How many of you married men have ever heard your wife talk like that? Out of a fear of appearing to engage in or encourage idolatry. Because again, while it's clear that nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to pray to or to worship Mary. Now, I do not mean that her suffering was comparable to the suffering of Christ or that the suffering of Mary was somehow redemptive. It wasn't. Uh, let's stand to our feet for the reading of God's Word. And the title of the message today is A Mother Called Mary. And um, praise you, Jesus. Um, we're going to read from Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was... If you have your Bible, you can read along with me or it's on the screen um, from verse 26 of Luke 1. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Say that, say that together. For with God... Nothing shall be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. A mother called Mary. Verse 28, And the angel came to her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. The NIV, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. How many of you know the Lord is with you today? In Jesus' name. Amen. God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And, you know, this is the word of God speaking to us. So, when it says that Mary was blessed or highly favored among all women, I believe it's ample proof that her life and her faith is worth studying in more detail. And, you know, I sometimes wonder if evangelical Christians have sometimes uh, downplayed uh, or, or at times completely ignored uh, the significance of Mary's role out of a fear of appearing to engage in or encourage idolatry. Because, again, while it's clear that uh, nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to pray to or to worship Mary, it doesn't say that we can't learn from or be inspired by her example, particularly her example of her courage, her faith, and her unwavering devotion to God. Um, and again, so on this Mother's Day, I believe it is entirely appropriate for us to take some time to study the life of a special mother called Mary. Uh, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. 
And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Hallelujah. And 2,000 years later, God is still with us. In spite of where we fail or fall or fall short, You know, all of us have our issues and our areas where God is still working on us. You know, we're all works under progress. Amen? And, um, but you know, the reality is, is that in spite of, in spite of this, God is still with us. And it's beautiful. His name, Emmanuel, means God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. And so, again, I, I think Joseph is such a wonderful example of, of a man who is willing to trust God. And even though he didn't necessarily understand everything that was going on. And so, let me be perfectly clear. I don't want to be misunderstood today. First Timothy 2.15. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. The Bible is very clear. There is one mediator. And it's not Mary, it's not Buddha, it's not Allah, it's not Krishna, it's Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus is the way to the Father. And so there's one mediator between God and men. And the Bible is very clear that salvation is found in no other name except the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 4 and verse 11, the apostles made that, um, you know, eternal declaration. They said, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven heaven given among men by which we must be saved amen so salvation is only found in the name of Jesus Colossians 1:18 and he is the head of the body the church he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy the king james he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have the preeminence and so It's absolutely vital that Christ always has the preeminence in whatever we do or say. Amen. It's it's important that we are lifting him up. But in spite of that, there is no doubt that Mary was a mighty woman of God. And it's my hope today that we would be able to lay aside all of our traditions and all of the various titles such as Queen of Heaven, Our Lady, Blessed Mother, Every Virgin, which again isn't actually even biblical because we just read there in Matthew chapter 125, Joseph didn't know her until Jesus was born. And um, so let us put aside all of these traditions and misconceptions etc and 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 simply consider the woman and the and the mother Mary amen so firstly let me start by acknowledging her correct name is Mary the mother of Jesus and yes and and, and yes absolutely Jesus Christ is God Uh, John chapter 1 14 and the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory the glories of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth so again uh, you know Jesus Christ is God we believe in the Trinity Father Son and Holy Spirit amen and so Mary carried or or bore him in her womb Um, but Jesus Christ took upon himself flesh You know, the theological term is hypostatic union. Uh, He he took upon himself flesh. Jesus wasn't uh, created in the womb of Mary. Amen. He he took upon himself flesh. Jesus was pre-existent with the Father. Okay. I think this is important to make that uh, distinction. Jesus was pre-existent with God the Father from time immemorial. And so Mary didn't create Jesus, but she did carry God in her womb. Um, uh, John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. Who's this talking about? Jesus Christ. Jesus is the word made flesh and dwelt amongst us. So Jesus was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. So the scientists are wrong. There wasn't any big bang and some little blob, you know, you know, crawled out of a pool and grew legs and etc. etc. No, the Bible says everything that we see was made through Jesus Christ. Amen. And so Jesus was with God in the beginning. Mary, however, did play an absolutely crucial role in, in God's plan for the redemption of fallen mankind, in that Mary facilitated um, God's coming to earth as a man. And so Mary loved and cared for and nurtured and protected Christ, particularly in his early vulnerable years as a baby and as a little child. And so ladies, bear in mind, your contribution to the kingdom may not be what you do, but who you raise. And I think that's a very profound thing to think about. Um, uh, you know, Exodus chapter 2 and verse 1, here talking about uh, Moses, and a man of the house of Levi went and took as a wife the daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. And so this is speaking of uh, Moses' mother. And so while Moses liberated a nation, it was his mother that protected his life. You know, Samuel spoke to a nation. The Bible says he, he, he let none of God's words be dropped to the ground. Moses, you know, Moses liberated a nation. His mother protected him. Samuel spoke to a nation, but he was, it was his mother who dedicated him to the Lord. And so, again, it's so important for us to understand. You know, you, you study history. Everyone knows of mighty men like, like, you know, John Wesley, Billy Graham, Reinhard Bonnke, but they were raised by godly mothers. You know, these women might not have been well-known on earth, but they are known and recognized and honored in heaven. And um, Billy Graham, only God himself fully appreciates the influence of a Christian mother in the molding of, the, of character in her children. Uh, Henry Ward Beecher, what a woman sings to the cradle goes all the way down to the coffin. Billy Sunday, great American evangelist, I don't believe there are devils enough in hell to pull a boy out of the arms of a godly mother. Amen. So bear that in mind, mothers, in Jesus' name. Your child may be away from God, but he can, he can try and outrun. He can't outrun your prayers, in Jesus' name. Now, there's no Bible verse that refers to Mary as the queen of heaven. This is actually a pagan title that was used before Christ to refer to a number of foreign deities. Jeremiah chapter seven, verse 18. The children gather wood, the fathers light the fire, and the women knead the, knead the dough and make cakes to offer to the queen of heaven. They pour out drink offerings to other gods to arouse my anger. This was written in 627 BC, long before Mary was ever born. And so um, if you study history, there were many ancient sky goddesses who are worshiped in the Mediterranean and in the near, near East area. Um, and they included Inna, Anat, Isis, Nut, um, Asarte, um, Asherah, along with um, Hera and Juno uh, by the Romans and the Greeks. And they all referred to these gods by the title Queen of Heaven. And so it's not a biblical title to give to Mary, okay? And, uh, you know, nor is it biblical, again, to claim that she was forever virgin because um, she was when Jesus was conceived, but she had other children after the birth of Christ. Um, and, and that's acknowledged in, in, in the Bible, in, in Mark chapter 6. Um, uh, you know, James, the, the book of James, was, he was a brother of Jesus. And uh, again, nor was her assumption into heaven. Um, uh, there's nowhere in the Bible that talks about that. So I'm not trying to be offensive to anyone. Um, but we do need to stick with the Bible. And I think this is important. Okay, we need to stick with what the Bible says. Um, otherwise, we end up getting into error. But notwithstanding this, you know, there's probably no woman in the entire Bible who surpasses Mary. Because she was chosen by God to raise the Messiah, to, to bear the Messiah and to raise him. And, and, and truly, you know, every mother is a chosen vessel 
Because you're chosen by God to birth and to raise and to teach the next generation that will be here long after you're gone. Think about your mother and her mother before her and her mother's mother. And so, you know, there's this, this idea that, that history in a way is carried in, 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 the, in the hands or at least in the wombs of, of uh, mothers. And, and, and so this is very, very powerful because you think about the power of a mother's example. John Wesley is, is a man that has certainly influenced me quite a lot. I've been very blessed by his writings. And he said this, I learned more about Christianity from my mother uh, than from all the theologians in England. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. So his mother gave him such a great example. Uh, D.L. Moody, uh, the American evangelist, the impression that a praying mother leaves upon her children is lifelong. Perhaps when you are dead and gone, your prayer will be answered. And so again, like I said, if your child is far away from God today, keep praying, keep standing, because whether those prayers are answered in your life or not, they will be answered in Jesus' name. Amen. So clearly Mary was an anointed, holy, God-fearing woman. And in a way, it's a shame that many Bible teachers ignore her inspiring story of faith, obedience, and trust under pressure. And clearly, Mary faced great pressure at various times in her life. You know, whether it was the pressure of possibly being abandoned by her fiance on discovering that she was with child, or the very real possibility of her being given the death penalty for having a child outside of, of uh, wedlock, because the penalty under the law of Moses was stoning um, when her pregnancy was discovered, or the pressure of having to travel by donkey to another city just days before giving birth. Um, I'm reminded of Joanna when she was pregnant with our first child, Ewan. Um, it was about maybe a month to go and we decided we were going to go to Kerry. I don't know, was it a month or two to go? And uh, we were living in Naramore in Kildare. So I decided to take a shortcut across these back roads. And um, I very quickly discovered I'd made a major dis mistake because she forced me to drive at about 20 kilometers an hour because she could feel every bump and every pothole on the road. It was, it really was, uh, uh, you know, we, it took us a long time to get to Kerry that time. And, uh, you know, all I could do, uh, you know, was, was think about Mary because we were sitting in a car with suspension. She was sitting on a, on a big old hairy donkey. Um, <laughs> And, and uh, so that, that wasn't easy. And, um, you know, she had to journey along the, the banks of the Jordan and then over the hills surrounding Jerusalem and on to Bethany uh, or on to Bethlehem um, wh while sitting on a donkey while pregnant. And, you know, that was beyond tough because they would cover, uh, in those days, you could cover about 32 kilometers um, a day. And it was uh, in the region of 150 kilometers distance. So, um, you know, they could have been traveling for, for you know, t 20 days uh, they could have been traveling for, for quite some time. But think about Mary. When you finally arrive in Bethlehem, you're dusty, uh, you're sweaty, you're saddle sore, you're exhausted, you're hungry, and then you discover you have nowhere to stay. You have nowhere to have uh, your little baby, and, and all you want is some rest. Um, you know, to be honest, I'm not quite sure if, if Mary and Joseph were talking at that stage. Um, uh, you know, can you imagine Mary talking to Joseph? What do you mean you didn't book anywhere, Joseph? You said there'd be plenty of space. It's a big city. You need to go out and fix this now. How many of you married men have ever heard your wife talk like that? Uh, don't put your hand up. Don't be a dummy. It's Mother's Day. Um, now, maybe I'm using a little bit of artistic license, but you get the picture. And so Joseph eventually finds a, major, a manger and, uh, you know, the savior of the world is born in far from ideal circumstances. You know, he is laid in a manger and, and uh, you know, there, either, it was either a cave or it was a, some kind of a shack um, uh, for, for animals. And um, so again, you know, Mary could, and you know, this is the amazing thing. When you, when you look at the story, there's no record of Mary feeling sorry for herself or complaining to God because she could have said, God, I have ruined my reputation by having a baby um, before marriage and here I am, I'm lying on straw in a cow shed and my baby is being put into a manger, an animal's feeding truck. Lord, where are you? 
Have I heard from God? I mean, how many of you ladies, being honest, would have felt in that moment that you had been abandoned by God? And yet, the amazing thing about Mary is there's no record that she complained. Mary knew that even when you're in God's will, you will face tests and trials along the way. Fact is, if you're facing tests and trials, many times that is confirmation you're in God's will because the devil doesn't like it, okay? And, and you know, but you know, the pressure didn't just end at that point um, because after the baby is born, they had to flee for their lives from Herod's soldiers and then live in a foreign nation for a time. They had to live in Egypt. You know, think of the pressure that Mary felt uh, during that season or, you know, the pressure she felt during the Passion. You know, when she had to watch her son being betrayed and mocked and beaten and then crucified. She was there to witness it all. And yes, she showed tremendous grace under pressure. Okay, so Mary was a woman of great faith and without her obedience to the call of God, the Savior might never have been born. And you might say, well, you know, God could have chosen somebody else. But you know what, there is, the Bible doesn't say God had a plan B if Mary was going to say no. And so I, I thank God that she did say yes to the call of God. So there's just a number of points I want to deal with that we learn from Mary. And the first one is this, Mary listened to the voice of God. Isaiah 28 and verse 23. Give ear and hear my voice. Listen and hear my words. You know, it's like the husband that said uh, to his doctor, I think my wife is going deaf. Is there anything we can do to help her? Because, you know, as men, we're always trying to help. And uh, sometimes, uh, unless we have a remote control in our hands. Uh, but anyway, he said, is there anything we can do to help my wife? I think she's going deaf. And the doctor said, there's a very simple test you can do to confirm this. This evening, go home, stand about 15 feet behind her, ask her a very simple question. So he, that evening, that afternoon, he stands 15 feet behind his wife and he said, what's for dinner tonight? No response. <laughs> he decides to go 10 feet and he says, what's for dinner tonight? Nothing. He decides to go five feet. Honey, what's for dinner tonight? Nothing. So he gets right behind her and shouts, what's for dinner tonight? She turns around and says, I've told you three times already, chicken. <laughs> you see, for those of you who don't get it, that it wasn't that she wasn't hearing him, it was that he wasn't hearing her. <laughs> How many of you know it's always so easy to point out where somebody else is wrong and sometimes we're utterly oblivious to our issues. So... <laughs> Think about that if you're complaining, God doesn't hear my voice. Maybe you're not listening to what he's saying. Okay, you know, it's like all of you ladies know at times your husband hears you, but he's not listening to you. Or like the parents say, my kids don't listen to me. Or the, or the kids, my, my parents don't listen to me. Well, how can you, can you imagine how God feels dealing with all of us? Okay, but Mary sought the face of God. Mary listened to the voice of God. She was familiar with the voice of God because she was actively listening. Okay, Mary was actively listening to the voice of God. And so th this is important. She was ready to hear when he spoke because she was already listening. You know, the Bible says in Luke chapter 2 and verse 19, it says that uh, uh, Mary pondered these things in her heart. It says Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Uh, how many of you know women have an amazing memory? Um, <laughs> you never forget. But Mary remembered. And you know, there are times when we don't understand fully, but we trust God anyway. And you know, many believe that Mary was one of the sources that Luke used to write his gospel, because how many of you know Luke wasn't one of the 12 disciples? And so apparently Mary was one of those, and, and it says that she kept these things. And so maybe the disciples forgot some details, Mary didn't. 
She kept them in her heart, and she pondered. It doesn't say she understood them fully, amen, but she pondered these things in her heart, and God used her um, to, to contribute, I believe, to that wonderful gospel. And so, anyway, Mary listened, she watched, and she reflected. And as a mother, you will know, and you will notice things about your kids that nobody else will. You know, John 8, 47, he was of God, hears the words of God, and for this reason, you do not hear them because you are not of God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you treasure the voice of God above all others? Are you actively focused on hearing the voice? I'm not talking about listening for voices. That's how people get into all sorts of strange things. And, you know, there are demonic entities that will try to speak to you if you try to listen for physical voices. But you know what? We all need to be tuning ourselves in to the voice of our Father because He wants to speak to us. Amen. You know, I, I love nothing more than putting my little kids on my knee and just giving them a cuddle and talking to them. You know, my teenagers don't want to do that anymore. And it's, 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 uh, it's heartbreaking. My, my daughter's like, get away from me. But um, anyway, you know, your father wants to speak to you. Okay. And so it's so important. Um, do you treasure the voice of God above all other voices? Because if you do, you will give God priority. That means coming to church on a Sunday will take priority over sports, over entertainment, over sleeping, and even over making money. Amen? Because if you want to hear the voice of God then in your life, then you have to give God time. You know, rise in the morning and pray. Read your Bible on a daily basis. Proverbs 8.32. Now therefore, O sons, listen to me. For blessed are they who keep my ways. You will never keep the ways of God if you don't know the word of God. Amen. Mark 1.35, Jesus rose a long time before daylight, went to a solitary place, and there he prayed. How many of you know, first you make your habits, and then your habits make you? Is prayer and time with God a habit? And what I mean by a habit is going to a gym can be a habit. Getting exercise can be a habit. It doesn't mean you always feel like doing it, okay? You won't always feel like praying. You won't always feel like reading your Bible. Amen. You won't always feel like coming to church. But it should be a habit because you know it is beneficial. You know it's God's will for your life. The same way as you know exercise is beneficial, even if it doesn't feel good, okay? So Jesus rose early to listen to the voice of the Father. Psalm 5 and verse 3, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and I will look up. Amen. So on a daily basis, we need to lift our voice to the Lord in prayer. Pray, pray for your marriage. Pray for your children. Pray for your life. Because a large part of walking in intimacy with God is simply learning to listen. Amen. And while Mary was understandably a little bit intimidated by the presence of this angel, she wasn't afraid. Amen. Because I believe she had a close relationship with God. You know, clearly she was comfortable in God's presence and she was ready to obey. Luke eleven twenty eight. 28. But he said on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. And let me say this. You're not listening if you're not obeying. Okay, because many times we hear God say things to us, but we have to, we have to act on what God says to us. You know, 1 Samuel chapter 3, I, I love this uh, passage, and it's, um, uh, you know, the young boy Samuel, and he's, you know, encountering uh, the, the voice of God for the first time. And um, 1 Samuel chapter 3, now the boy Eli ministered to the Lord before, uh, now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, there was no widespread revelation. It came to pass at that time that Eli was lying down in his place, and his eyes had begun to grow so dim he could not see. And before the lamp of the Lord went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, uh, when the ark of God was, that Samuel was lying down, and the Lord called Samuel, he answered, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. Samuel didn't yet recognize God's voice. And he said, I did not call, lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose, went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord revealed to him. So we can grow in our relationship with God. We can grow in our sensitivity to his voice. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And Samuel rose, went to Eli and said, here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. 
You see, Eli was so insensitive to the voice of God. He had grown so lazy and really was in a a backslidden condition um, that that he was no longer sensitive. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, because this little boy heard the voice and and Eli didn't, and he was the high priest. And um, then Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, it shall be uh, that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went, lay down in his place. You know, it's interesting that it's always so easy to tell others to do the things that we're not doing ourselves. How many of you know you can give a prescription to people in in their situation, a prescription of something that you've long since ceased doing? We, We have to live this, amen? You know, Eli knew what to do, but he wasn't doing it. And so Samuel said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Mary listened to the voice of God. Can I ask you the question? Are you listening to the voice of God in your life? Are you ready to obey him when you do? Oh, speak, Lord. Tide. Speak, Lord. Witness. No, that's not my calling. Speak, Lord. Serve. Uh, No, I just got my nails done. Speak, Lord, sacrifice. I rebuke you, devil. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the man who's walking along the cliff some more. He stumbles and he, he falls right off the cliff. But just as he falls, he grabs the branch that's hanging out. He's there swinging 600 feet over the, the rocks below. And he's, you know, this man had been an atheist up to that point. But it's amazing when you get in a tight spot how you decide to, um, you know, take a fresh look at things. And so he's swinging there and he's crying out, help, help, nobody around. You know, and uh, so he, he decides, God, uh, are you there? And suddenly he hears a voice from heaven. Yes, I am there. And he's swinging. He said, God, can you help me? And the voice said, yes. And he's, oh, oh, thank, thank God. And then God says, let go of the branch. <laughs> and the guy is swinging there for a moment. And he says, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> You see, sometimes we say we want to hear the voice of God (laughs) until he speaks. And we say, is there anyone else up there? (laughs) So do you come to church ready to worship and ready to hear? Amen? Ready to obey. Because there are so many, like I said, who the voice of God is drowned out because of social media. Because of their career, because of TV, because of friends, because of the many distractions and challenges of life. Let me say this. Some of you can't even go through a two-hour service without taking your phone. That's a sad indictment of where you're at. So again, fair enough if if your Bible is on your phone, but... I remember when my kids were little, they'd be in the service and say, Daddy, you won't believe it. Somebody was on Facebook this morning during the service. They were surprised. They thought everybody in church was like ready to worship. <laughs> I was just reminded, you know, about two years ago, we had Rodney Hart Brown here, and there was about, there was over a thousand people here. And I remember before the service, just at the start of the service, people looked so eager, and there was such a look of anticipation and expectation on their faces. And I had to say to the people, let's keep our eyes on the Lord. But I said to myself, what would happen if people came to church with that sense of expectation as they came to that uh, service? You know, and listen, God is here. God with us. Let's come with that expectation. Come ready. Like Mary, she was ready to hear. And so the secondly, firstly, Mary listened to the voice of God. Secondly, she surrendered to the call of God. Luke chapter 1 and verse 38. And uh, Mary simply responded, not with a big long speech. Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Right there, Mary said yes to the divine assignment given to her by heaven. Because she was called to be a mother, just not in the normal way. She had children afterwards. The Bible is very clear. Mark chapter 6, 1 to 6. She had children afterwards in the normal way. But Jesus was born by, um, you know, the the, the miraculous conception. Um, But Mary's willingness to surrender to the call of God by giving birth to the Messiah confers dignity, destiny, and purpose on every mother. 
And, uh, you know, let me say this, in a society that no longer wants to even define or acknowledge what a woman or a mother is, I, I think it's important to recognize that, you know, the Bible uh, confers tremendous dignity and, and purpose and honor on the role of being a mother. You know, Ma Matthew chapter 1 talks about how Jesus was conceived by Mary through the power of, um, sorry, Jesus was conceived through the power of the Holy Spirit without sexual intercourse. Now, Jesus therefore was born of a virgin. You might say, well, what's the significance to that? Well, you know, the blood of a child comes from the father, not from the mother. The, the blood of the child, the blood of the mother are completely separate. And because of that, the blood of Jesus was not tainted by Adam's sin. And therefore, his blood was sinless and could be offered on behalf of all mankind for the sin of the world. That's why the Bible says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so Mary surrendered to God's will, even though there was a cost. And let me say, there's always a cost to the call. You know, in the natural, announcing her pregnancy, she would most likely face divorce, gossip, and possibly even stoning. You know, truly, it took great courage for her to surrender to the call, and yet she was fulfilling the word spoken by Isaiah the prophet approximately 750 years earlier in Isaiah 7:14. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. That that was utterly unheard of in the history of mankind. That a, a virgin would conceive a child and yet the Bible prophesied it because you see God doesn't need your advice he simply needs you to surrender and obey to his will and his plan Psalm 139 and verse 13 for you form my inward parts you knitted me together in my mother's womb I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works my soul knows it very well. You see, a mother is special because it is true a mother and only true a mother. Let me say, men can't give birth to children, okay? I know that makes people mad sometimes, but that's a fact, okay? Let's just deal with basic biology. Um, <laughs> crazy Jesus. It's a sign. It's a sign the times. I'm telling you of how crazy people are becoming that they're starting to embrace and believe all sorts of lies and, and, uh, and craziness, okay? It, a man can't give birth to a baby, okay? Uh, let's move on from that. But Mary's a perfect example of how motherhood is a sacred calling because you are playing a part along with your husband, of course, in bringing an eternal soul into existence. You know, truly, motherhood and fatherhood is a tremendous, it's an amazing privilege and responsibility. You know, Proverbs chapter 31 talks about this. Uh, Proverbs 31 and uh, verse 25 to 28. And it says, strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And on her tongue is the law of kindness. She what? Ladies, watch your tongue. Amen. Men, watch your tongue. Speak to each other with kindness. She watches over the ways of her household. She does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So truly motherhood is a call. Charles Spurgeon you're as much serving God in looking after your own children and training them up in God's fear and minding the house and making your household a church for God as you would be if you had been called to lead an army to battle for the Lord of hosts. Abraham Lincoln, I remember my mother's prayers and they have followed me. They have clung to me my entire life. Think about that. You know, Abraham Lincoln, you know, the president of the United States and how God used that man so powerfully. I remember my mother's prayers and they have followed me. They have clung to me my entire life. So again, ladies, you can pray prayers that your children will never be able to escape. Mary listened to the voice of God. Mary answered the call of God. Thirdly, Mary suffered for the cause of God. Luke chapter 2 and verse 29. And... <clears throat> Luke 2 and verse uh, 29, from verse 25 maybe. 
And it says, there was a man in Jerusalem, his name was Simeon. This man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and had not yet been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which are spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. You see, God himself acknowledges through his servant Simeon, who is waiting for the Messiah, he acknowledges that a sword will pass through Mary's soul. 2 Timothy 3.12, yes, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You know, there's no doubt that Mary, as the mother of Jesus, suffered for the cause of God. Acts 1.3, to whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen by them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. That's where Mel Gibson got the title, The Passion of the Christ, because passion literally means to experience a sensation or impression, usually painful. It means to feel. It means to suffer. It means to vex. You see, Christ had, you know, Christ's passion, you know, the, 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 his betrayal, his mockery, his beating, his scourging, his crucifixion. Um, and so uh, this is the thing. During Christ's passion or Christ's suffering, Mary watched in horror as her own son was whipped and beaten and mocked and ultimately crucified. And as he suffered, she suffered. Even though he was the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world, as uh, John 1.29 and Revelation 13.8 says, it still didn't change the fact that she was his mother and he was her son, and that she was horrified and heartbroken by what she witnessed on that dark day. Now, I, I do not mean that her suffering was comparable to the suffering of Christ, or that the suffering of Mary was somehow redemptive. It wasn't. I think it's important to make that distinction. Only the blood of Jesus saves. Only the suffering that Christ went through is what contributed to our salvation. Um, and so that is why we do not pray to Mary, nor do we ask her to pray for or intercede for us. She has gone to her eternal reward in heaven. You know, in the temple, when uh, Simeon prophesied o o over Jesus and Mary, like I said, he declared, a sword will go through your own soul. And so, um, you know, Mary suffered. 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1 and verse 26. You see, Jesus identified himself with all that was humble and that was ordinary. Like I said, you know, he was, uh, he's, it's interesting that when they went into the temple, that Joseph offered two turtle doves, um, you know, that was a, a, a poor man's offering. Um, why, didn't, why did God choose two ordinary, uneducated, and, and most likely uh, uh, poor peasants? Why didn't he choose a king who could have put Jesus in the cradle of marble or a general who could have had a huge army behind Christ when he stepped into his ministry? You know, why did he choose these ordinary people? Why did he have his son born in, in a manger? Well, you know, God was identifying himself with, with all that was ordinary and humble, um, even in his birth. You know, 1 Corinthians 1.26, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many influential, not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Because we had nothing to offer God except for our sin-stained soul. 
But God embraced us anyway, and that is what grace is. And, you know, it's clear that both Mary and Joseph suffered for the cause of God. I mean, people probably whispered behind their backs about how, you know, Joseph and Mary appeared to conceive a child outside of wedlock. You know, in John chapter 8 and verse 18, the Pharisees are talking to Jesus. And it says, um, verse 18, um, I'm the one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Then they said to him, where is your father? Now, to all intents and purposes, by the time Jesus um, stepped into his ministry, it appears Joseph was already dead. You know, Mark chapter 6 speaks of um, Mary. It speaks of uh, the brothers and sisters of of Jesus. It makes no mention of Joseph. Um, But here, I think the Pharisees were alluding to the questionable circumstances of Joseph's birth. Uh, of Jesus' birth, rather. And I think Joseph was a man of such integrity that people assumed that it couldn't have been Joseph and that Joseph was simply doing the honorable thing um, by marrying uh, Mary. And so, anyway, here, certainly, it does seem that they were alluding um, uh, to the circumstances uh, of his birth by saying... um, you know, where, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And so in spite of this, uh, Mary had courage to answer the call, even though it placed her in great danger and would result in great personal suffering, particularly, like I said, in watching her son being betrayed, whipped, and crucified on a cross. You know, I'm sure she she struggled with concern that her, like I said, that Joseph uh, would misunderstand her pregnancy and, um, you know, wish to immediately divorce her and possibly have her stoned according to the law of Moses. And even if Joseph miraculously found it in his heart to believe her or at least forgive her, um, you know, they would still have to bear the judgment of others. And both Joseph and Mary did. And, you know, this is the lesson we see from this. Don't be so quick to judge people, particularly when you don't have all the facts, okay? Single mothers should be honored. And I've always believed that single mothers should be honored because they're doing the work of two people. And it's not easy bringing up children. And as the church, we need to be there to encourage them, to honor them, to love them, and to help them where necessary. Could somebody say amen? Amen. Because every single mother has chosen life. And that choice has come with great personal sacrifices. You know, because there's a, a, you know, like I said, there's, you know, there's a cost to the call. And so, anyway, uh, Mark chapter 6 acknowledges, uh, let's just read it very quickly. I'm uh, five minutes and I'm finished. But Mark chapter 6, and it says, Then they went from there and came to his own countrymen, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, they began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing um, him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the mother of James, Joseph, uh, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? So they are offended at him. And Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people, and he healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. How many of you know, unbelief shuts down the power of God. That's why I come to church expecting. Come to church believing. And, you know, but one thing we see in this story is that on top of everything else that Mary suffered, she suffered the loss of her husband relatively early on in her marriage, and and yet there's no mention that she felt bitter or sorry for herself. You know, again, Mary is a great example of grace under pressure. So Mary listened to the voice of God. Mary answered the call of God. Mary suffered for the cause of God. And give me two minutes, I'm finished. Mary trusted in the Son of God. You know, Luke chapter 1 and verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. You see, Mary, in spite of her virtue, holiness, and separation, still needed 
a savior. And thus, in the Magnificat, in the very beginning, she declares that her soul rejoices in God, her savior, because like all observant Jews, she was looking forward to the Messiah, okay? And she understood that in spite of being chosen, she still needed a savior. You see, Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That means all of us. No matter how good we are, need a savior. Because philanthropy, our philosophy, our living a good life are not sufficient to get you to heaven. What can wash away my sin? Nothing, Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can save your soul from hell. And the Bible is very clear that when we die, there is only one of two destinations. Endless happiness in heaven or endless torment in hell. That is why we must put our trust in Jesus Christ. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Amen. The Bible says all have sinned and that includes Mary. Romans 6 23 it says the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see none of us earned our merited salvation. That's why Ephesians 2 says by grace you've been saved through faith. This not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You can have the assurance before you leave this place today as the worship group come forward. You can have that assurance that heaven is your home and that Jesus Christ is your Lord. Because Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. And I appreciate that may not be politically correct in, the, in today's world where people say you can come through Buddha, through Allah, through Krishna, through whatever philosophy you want. No, Jesus was very clear. He said, I am the way. He didn't say I'm one of the ways. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. As I said earlier, there is only one mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus Christ. We do not come to God through Mary. We come through Christ. You know, a very common question that Catholics ask is, do you believe in Mary? And the answer is, of course we do. The Bible speaks a lot about Mary. She was a wonderful woman of God, and the Bible you know, bestows tremendous honor upon her for you know, the, the, the cost that she paid and for the fact that she was the mother of Christ. However, we do not worship, pray to, or look to Mary for help or salvation. It is all true Christ. You see, we must follow her example of faith and imitate her focus. You know, John 2 verse 5, his mother said to his servants, whatever he tells you, do it. This is why Mary was simply saying, look to Jesus. He is the answer. Look to him. You know, don't pray to Mary or place your faith in her to save you or intercede with God on your behalf. It's just not biblical. Okay, you know, the Bible is very clear that as Jesus hung on the cross, he said to John, his beloved, behold your mother. And he said to Mary, behold your son. So Mary was so close to the heart of Christ. He loved her dearly. But again, Mary was there at the beginning in the manger and she was there at the end at the tomb. Amen. So again, today, by God's grace, I just pray that God will open your eyes to see the fact that God has a call on your life, that he loves you, and that you have to answer that call the same way as Mary answered it. She was there in the upper room. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, 14, when the Holy Spirit fell, she was there praying. She was there interceding because Mary was not just a mother. She was a dedicated follower of Jesus Christ. The question is, have you made that decision to follow Jesus Christ? Have you chosen to answer the call?